Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to hear from them about a meaningful video game from a particular moment in their life. On the show, you'll know we talk to our guest as much about what made playing that game special and memorable for them as we will get into the context of how and when they had this meaningful time uh, with it, often in the first place, but sometimes it's revisit. We'll see how it goes. A little bit of housekeeping up top is that uh, we have a ton of uh, links in the show notes for stuff that myself, the show, and our guests are going to be plugging today. So if you want to follow us, support someone, check out all the bonus stuff that we have going on, uh, then there's going to be links in the show notes, whether it's uh, you know our social media handles to if you want to support us on Patreon for bonus content, find out more about me, it's all there. So go ahead and just check that out uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on YouTube or a podcast catcher uh, of your choice. Um, but that'll go ahead and do it for the housekeeping. Uh, and I'll finally introduce our guest for today's episode. I say finally, but now it doesn't feel like that because I, I cut down our our like introduction by a good like two minutes. So I used to say finally because <laughs> it felt so long, but actually it feels pretty quick. But please welcome to the microphone, video game lawyer and MinMax community manager, Haley McLean. Hello, Connor. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Uh, I'm so glad that this worked out today. Uh, you and I know each other uh, because uh, you are someone who I've heard on the MinMax podcast, which it, people have heard reference on the show. But if you like independent uh, games, journalism and media, go check out all the stuff they do. I'm sure we're going to have many links in the show notes as well. Uh, but you were someone who was just preaching to the heavens about your time with the uh, original Alan Wake, which prompted me to buy it at a retro store this year and buy it <laughs> purely just because of the passion. Um, this is a long road to say that we did a podcast about the original Alan Wake uh, a little over a month ago at this point, uh, which is how we we met, but I know you through MinMax. Uh, what do you want to share about yourself? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, my love for Alan Wake. Did you finish <laughs> Alan Wake too? By the way, I didn't. And oh, this is. Uh, I'm glad we saved this for the podcast. But uh, I will say the area that I just explored, or the parts that I just finished. Um, I just went through the nursing home area and came back scary. to Bright Falls. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I thought I had some jump scares earlier in the game. That is where it really kicked in for me. Big Alan time. Wake 1 had like one jump scare. Yeah. Yes. And that yes. chapter had every couple minutes, like just a yes. absolutely unfair jump scare. But like, I, I don't know. I kind of love that it did that. But part of me hates it because I'm such a chicken. Yes. Um, I'm right there but, with you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, God, I love Alan Wake. I'm still trying to decide if that or Baldur's Gate 3 is my game of the year. I love those games so much. Um, oh, but this isn't a, a podcast about Alan Wake, even though oh, I can talk we, about Truly, it. though, we can talk about it as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my name's Haley. Um, I'm a video game lawyer. So sometimes... 
older lawyers than me roll their eyes at that, but I think it's a real thing. <laughs> so I've been only practicing law for about a year, um, a year in June, actually. Oh, my God, a year and a half because it's almost Christmas. Wow. But um, yeah, so I went to school focusing on intellectual property law, tech law, and then basic corporate because everyone has to know corporate law if you're working in tech. Like, yeah. That's kind of the gist. So yeah, I went to law school in my home province of Nova Scotia. I learned all that. Um, I got to article with a really cool tech law clinic that I loved where we got to like offer accessible, low cost legal services to new tech clients at, oh. at like a really low price. It was really fun. And uh, I met a lot of game devs through that too, because we kind of tried to market it like for, it was really, I had the best principal ever. She was like, we got to get you game clients because that's what you love. And she was very sweet. So she helped me a lot in that, Amazing. In that way. And uh, after that, I went on with my firm, Voye Law, and that's why I, where I've worked since I got called to the bar. So we're tech lawyers that specialize in cross-border stuff, so U.S. and Canada. And then I came on specifically because of my game knowledge and stuff. So the firm already had like a game section of the practice that my boss, Kellen, was running, but he wanted oh, some, some more people on to do that kind of work. And then my problems with Nova Scotia is becoming like a weird little mini- like <laughs> California, like it has like oh, not really? California. That's bold. Maybe a mini Vancouver. That's a better okay. way to say it. But uh, we're getting more and more game devs here because we have really good digital media tax credits. So you can write off a lot of your employment costs and all that kind of thing. It's also just a really pretty place to live. And like a lot of people in Canada are like naturally migrating here anyways. Mm. So especially over COVID, we had a lot of people kind of like go down in their dungeons, work on really cool stuff. And like now they're coming up for fresh air and being like, I should incorporate. And that's like kind of when they meet me. So it's been really fun <laughs> meeting all those kind of people. And, and I kind of run the East Coast side of our firm, but I'm thinking goal for next year is to get called in California because I'd like to do some work in California too. So that's like my next career step kind of Very thing. Very cool. Get called to the bar in California, which apparently is the hardest bar. So I've been told in the whole oh. like North America, it's the hardest bar. Oh, so we'll there, I'm really going to just tell on myself on how little <laughs> I know about uh the law and the bar uh i'm yeah. assuming from just you know the context of what you shared that there are certifications for different of course countries but states as well yeah so okay. each there's there's federal laws which apply to the whole nation mm -hmm. and so whether it's canada or us and then each state slash province will have their own provincial or, or state laws as well um, so I can't just start going and practicing in any country or state or province I want. Cause like, I wouldn't know that law. Yes. So I spe specifically got trained in Nova Scotia law. Um, but then obviously I get trained in like federal Canadian law too. So I know that, but like, and I've learned a lot of California law because so much game stuff comes out of California and, mm -hmm. and like California is very progressive in their laws, like privacy, tech, um, sometimes to a detriment, like they have really abusive like employment laws relating to computer professionals. So that would include game devs. Hence why like there's so many layoffs and people work overtime and crunch and stuff. Yeah. It's like largely due to California's really annoying laws with that. Um, but um, I would have to go and take their bar test and prove that I know enough about California law before I'm allowed to practice there is essentially like the threshold. Okay. Um, and then if I want to start working in New York, I have to take the New York bar. If I want to start working on Ontario, I take the Ontario bar. So you kind of go around and take each one. So you don't want to get called in too many places because then you have all these lawyer's fees you have to pay every year. Yeah. <laughs> so unless you're actually doing work there and like want to have clients that are from there and doing things, it's kind of not worth it to get called. So I think okay. California would be a good fit though because I want to be cross-border yes. and I want to do games. So like when you think games, you think California. 
Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's really cool though. What? Well, a I'm glad that like your firm had like the perfect place for you to just slide in once mm-hmm. you got hired. That's amazing. And then. Yep. Did you touch on what prompted you to like follow this in the first place? Yeah, it was a weird. I took the very long path to law. And um, if you're in your mid to late 20s like me or even older, you're thinking about law school. It's not too late. I had people in my 40s and 50s in my law school class. Like wow. it's definitely a thing you can do later in life. So don't feel d- discouraged there. But yeah, I went to journalism school and all that first. And I did video game journalism for five years before I went to law school. Mm. So I worked, we were talking about this right before the call, but yeah, I did a lot of retail work (laughs) to pay the bills and did like video game writing stuff in my free time. And it just got to a point, like I was five years in, I had to make a tough call. Like, do I keep trying to do this? And I'm kind of struggling with money and I just kind of want to be able to have less stress with that. It's like, what's a way I could keep writing, be in the games industry and not be as stressed about money. And then um, I knew someone who was an intellectual property lawyer. So she didn't mm. work in games, but she did IP law. So I just was like reaching out to people at that point, time in my life um, and just being like, oh, what do you do? And do you like it? Because I just wanted to find something I liked. Yeah. And she, t- she talked to me about intellectual property. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like a tangential way to get into games. Because I feel like there's not many people marketing themselves as, hi, I know the law really good. And I'm a gamer. And I know about games. And I know all the terms and all the like news going on at a, on a given day about video games. So I was like, well, why don't I try to do that? Applied to law school. Didn't get in the first time. I always like to say that because sometimes people don't get in once and then they give up. It's like, I tried again and I got in the second time. Try again. And uh, the second time I got in and then I just kind of crafted my law school experience around games. So I took, there was no video game law class. Like most of my profs (laughs) like rolled their eyes when I said I wanted to do video game law, to be honest. But (laughs) I did all the intellectual property law classes, like copyright, trademark patents, and then basic IP courses, all the tech law, internet and media law courses, entertainment law like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I did like an IP moot, which is like a fake court thing where you compete with other law schools. So that didn't have any games in it, but I had to like practice litigation, like, you know, yeah. Phoenix Wright style lawyer stuff. <laughs> I don't do that at all anymore. I'm just a t- uh, transactional lawyer. I just sit at my desk in my pajamas writing stuff for people. I don't actually the dream. go to court. <laughs> the, the dream, except I spent like $2,000 on court robes that I wore once just to get called. Now they just sit in my... <laughs> Sit in my closet. I actually went as Ruth Bader Ginsburg for Halloween one time just so I could use my robes again. Get a second use out of it. Oh, my gosh. Out of my expensive ass robes. And they have to be the most specific robes with the little tie and everything. You can't just wear black robes and hope for the best. They won't let you in to get called unless you have the exact perfect robes. What a funny requirement to have. Uh, it's because we're British. Like, yes, okay. weird. we have weird British histories and stuff. So we have like we I looked very British that day. I was just missing the white powdered wig. Yes. Vibe. <laughs> Everything else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was it was a kind of a twisty route. But yeah, I really like the work I do now. I get to work like like 90 percent of my clients are game devs, which mm-hmm. I love. I still get to work with other cool people in different industries. Like, it's not just game devs. We have, like, software for a service people, people making apps that aren't game-related that just, like, do f- cool functionality. But I would say, like, 100% of my clients still do tech work, mm-hmm. but I'm most of them find me because of my gaming uh, background. And we'll either do just, like, basic corporate stuff for them. We'll help them with their publishing agreement things. That's a very common is, like, hey, I just worked for five years on my passion project and this is the first agreement I've ever looked at and it, it could make or break the money yes. I get from this thing. Like, should probably get someone to look at it. So 
we have a lot of experience looking at publishing agreements specifically. Uh, cool. So what's industry standard? What's not? What can you push back on and say this is a ridiculous offer? Like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> like right away. Because a lot of times it's just, what's a good royalty split? Like, unless you've seen 50 of them and from different companies, you just don't know that. So we try to help devs with like, oh my gosh, you know, ask for more. Or, yeah. They're being generous with this. So why don't we bend a little on this point? Sure. Like that kind of negotiation stuff. And then other than that, just like IP assignments, employment agreements, contractor agreements, non-disclosure agreements. I'm sure you've signed some of those, the scary yeah. NDAs. Uh, quite literally <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I write <Yes>. those. <laughs> yes. So uh, all that kind big of Big fan of your work, by the way. Those Thank, NDAs. I've written every single one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, that's fantastic. Thank you for walking me uh, down, you know, like you said, this twisty road of your journey to how you got here. Uh, I'm so glad that things you know, seem to be working out really great for you and that you are, like you were saying, continuing to have a chance to be involved in games journalism um, in like a really important and great like independent outlet such as MinMax. Uh, that's yeah. great. And I know you're only starting out, but like, hey, cheers, way to go. Oh, I love working with MinMax. It's, it's like the best like after work decompression stuff yeah. for me. Like, and I totally appreciate how for people who do that their whole day, like I was talking to Leo about this, it's like, this is Leo's work, so it hits yes. different. Like it, and then this is like I, I'm starting to feel that too because like it gets so busy or whatever. Like when you're putting emotional effort or like intelligent intellect effort into anything, you start to get like tired. But it just feels like really fun to do like video content or podcasting and stuff in the evenings for me. And yeah, uh, yeah I met Ben and Leo too, and Jeff um, and uh, most of them there back when I was an intern at Game Informer in 2016. So that's when okay. I met them all. Yeah. So that was, I can't believe how long ago that was. Yeah. Seven, almost eight years ago. And uh, Ben was still the video editor there. Leo was a fellow intern. And uh, Blake and AJ were also interns with me as well. Um, so I only interned, we only interned there for about four months. And then you move on and they bring in a new batch of interns. But, um, me, Leo, Blake, and AJ still stayed really good friends and stayed in contact and did our own podcast mm-hmm. for like five or six years called Game Query the whole time. Since been oh. scrubbed from the internet, I don't know where it went. It's gone. Blake, Blake has the file somewhere. I don't know. Oh where dang, it went. bummer. I think <laughs> no, I, it's okay. You... I think it was on purpose. Oh okay, gotcha. <laughs> now that you say that, I want to say I've heard Leo reference that in like past episodes of the yeah. Max show because it sounds yeah. very familiar. We would pretend we had beef with MinMax, and then they, MinMax was too cool to even notice our beef. <laughs> yes, yes. That's... But Ben was on a couple episodes of Game Query, like, in 2018 or so, you know, it was, like, forever ago. But that's how I knew Ben. And then cool. I guess Ben was just looking for a community manager. It was around April, I think, last year. And I, I knew him, and we'd still been mutuals on, you know, social media and stuff. And that's kind of when I came on. Um to manage the discord was kind of my main mm. role, but I've since done a lot more content stuff with them, which is really fun. Yes. Um, I think just the fact that I have video game knowledge, people were kind of like interested in that and like kind of like background business insights. Cause it's like, like just for example, all the unity crap that was yeah. happening. It was like, I was able to, like, I had clients call us and be like, oh crap, is this going to mess up our publishing? Like real life examples of how shitty a freaking Yes. idea that was and Gosh. so to have like that kind of background knowledge i think people like so that kind of led into me being on more content so now i get to do the game of the year debates this year yeah. i'm so excited ah <laughs> uh, well i'm glad that it's you know been such a good fit and that you're having a blast um well outside of you know the show uh, which people can find just about anywhere on the internet it seems uh <laughs> if people want to find you and follow you what like would you like to share today 
Um, I guess I still use Twitter the most. I tried to start using Blue Sky, but <laughs> I need to be better at Blue Sky. But yeah, I'm just Haley Facts everywhere on cool. most social media. So yeah, that's kind of my... It's a play on the word Halifax. I feel like I, people don't get that pun until they realize where I'm from, which is my city. From. You're watching me get it at this moment. And yeah, that's no, great. Yes. Literally everyone is like, as soon as they hear where I'm from, they go, oh, and they realize my pun. But no one knows Canadian cities. So yes. maybe it's not the best pun. Yeah. With, you know, like usernames and handles, I always assume it's like some inside joke or thing that someone made when they were 12 and first got a username. Um, yeah. But that is that makes a lot more sense. Uh, <laughs> it's well, not that clever. I came up with it literally when I was twelve. Like you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like my first email. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing about yourself. I'm sure we're going to get to know you better as we continue to move through the show. Um, but before we discuss your general history with video games, I'd love for you to introduce the game that you brought on for the main event later and call me by your game. The game I brought is called Night in the Woods. It's by Infinite Fall, and I believe it came out in, I want to say 2016. Is that right? Maybe 2015. I think uh, what I have says 2017. Ah, oh, that sounds right. 2017. So it's an indie game, um, very narrative-driven, 2D. I guess you can call it a side-scroller, but it's more yeah. It's more just based in its narrative, and there's like barely any platforming. It's mostly just... You play as this character, May, who's just come back from college. Um, she's coming back to her hometown. And a lot of the story is just kind of focused on, uh, like, one plot, which is just, like, why is May home? How is she dealing with coming back and living with her parents in her 20s? What does that feel like? And what does it feel like to be the one who left her city, didn't succeed, and then come back? Or left yeah. her town, I should say, like a very small town. And then this, the B plot is, like, there's a mis- mysterious disappearance afoot and they're trying to figure out why people keep disappearing in their town and if there's some kind of scheme going on with that so that's kind of like the two plot points awesome uh i'm so excited to hear about you know your time with this game more this is i before you know getting into your history this is a game that this happens often someone will bring on a game for the podcast and i won't have played it before and not only that but i know this name but seeing the images when i was doing research for it I think this is the first time I've seen even stills of this game. Oh, really? You've never heard yes. of it before? Interesting. Like, I think the name I have like heard on shows or looking at lists, but yeah. anyway, it's been fun to research and I'm excited to hear even more from you about it. Um, but let's talk about your general history with gaming. Do you remember the first time that you took an interest in games? I played games with my brother growing up, but I um, like we had Game Boys. I remember for like my fifth birthday, I got a Game Boy Color and Pokemon Blue. Like I, I played wow. games growing up, um, but I, I don't think I realized that I was like really, really passionate about them um, until it was like 2010. Yeah. And uh, Red Dead Redemption came out. And I remember I was walking around like a Best Buy or something with my dad and there was a Xbox 360 copy of Red Dead and my brother had an Xbox but I didn't but I would just use it to play a game sometimes yes and I was like oh this looks kind of cool and then I just became absolutely obsessed <laughs> with that game like we could also I could also pick that for my episode because yes. that's like probably it probably is my favorite game of all time wow. um and just something about that game really resonated with like my brain flipping a switch and being like oh games are more than just like something to do 
yes. for fun in my free time or whatever. Like I want to be part of like whatever is the industry that makes stuff like this. I remember yeah. like a little switch flipping. And after that, I kind of felt like I was behind. Like I, even though I did play a lot of games growing up, like we played Halo, we played all the Pokemon. So like, it's not like I never picked up a game, but I was like, oh, what's Skyrim? What is, what's the yeah. Far Cry series? What's like, I felt like I missed out on all these games because I just kind of looked at them and thought, oh, it's not for me. Sure. But then like Red Dead was like, no, like you could, you like this kind of stuff, go try it. And I suddenly was like obsessed with, I guess, expanding my palette and playing everything I felt like I missed. And I was playing catch, I played catch up for like a decade. It felt like, like all yes. the Uncharted's and Tomb Raider and all those kind of games that I, oh. and like, it's not, it's not even counting the indies and stuff. Like there's so oh, many yeah. like amazing indies, like journey, playing journey and playing all those kind of games. And, but it was largely due to like Red Dead Redemption. I know something about that game and maybe another game would have came along and I just I played it at the same time. It would have clicked, too. But I sure. just remember like my chemistry in my brain was altered when I played that back in 2010. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I can especially relate to the catching up comment um, yeah. because I this is a running joke on this show, but I'm late to everything. Uh, pop culture, <laughs> video games, like whatever it is. Like kale, like I'm late to it. Um, so I can totally relate to the attempt to catch up and like uh, know what things are. I, I remember when I first got back into gaming in a serious way and was like going on video game podcasts in 2018. I was yeah. learning about Silent Hill for the first time. <laughs> See, uh, I played that. Yeah, yes, that's the thing. And I blind spot. Same here. And so I've, you know, the more that I've dove into the history of gaming and, and actually experienced a lot of, you know, whether it's tent poles or just other important games, uh, I realized there's just a whole like earth of additional games that I'll just never catch up on. Um, I know. It's impossible. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but that's really cool hearing about how Red Dead was sort of like a catalyst for you and one that kicked off. Yeah. It's interesting to think about, I mean, like you said, maybe it could have been another game, but it was it was that one. Have you revisited that over the years? Oh yeah, I've, I've played that game all the way through like a dozen times at least. Like, I, <laughs> yes. and it came out on Switch recently, and I played it through all the way again on Switch. It ran pretty good on Switch. I was okay. actually impressed. Playing Red Dead in bed was a, oh Red Dead in bed was it was a, <laughs> I was like this is what I've always wanted since I've been you know sixteen years old. But yes. Um, yeah, I, I try. I hadn't replayed it in about four years when I replayed mm -hmm. it this year on Switch, but there was a time where I replayed it like back to back sometimes, or even Whoa. just I would come up from school and play it for like two or three hours and like yeah. for over the course of a year or something and beat it that way. Do you, since you've revisited this so often, what what is it to you about the game that you think sucks you in and gets you like can keeps that appetite going over the years for you to revisit? Um, I think it's partly the characters, which are supremely well-written characters. And I actually, I, what I really loved about my most recent playthrough was it was post Red Dead 2. Mm. And like John Marston hits so different after playing Red Dead 2. Oh. Like his, his characterization feels so different and there's such a different intent to like what he does and how he talks. And now that you know more about Dutch and, the, and like the posse they all were in and stuff like yes. that and like bill williamson and javier and like all those guys it's like i used to think of them one way and then once you play red dead 2 you're like no they're they're your buddy but like now i have to kill them like it's yeah. just, it, it's it's so it was like extra satisfying and i think that rockstar did a good job with you know one of the best sequels of all time that was a prequel that like didn't feel spoiled like 
you know when you go into a prequel and you're like i already know the ending because i played the one after yes they really mastered like telling me more about the game i played while Mm. at the same time i felt like i didn't know how it was gonna end even though the only thing i really knew is that john marson's gonna live and everything other than that i'm like what could happen like they really masterfully did that because john had to live to be in the first game um and then the other part is also just like the world's like such a vibe like i just like riding my horse around yeah i was a horse girl like i still am a horse girl perfect i I rode horses growing up and stuff and and um just the horse physics were so good in that 2010 game like they still hold up so obviously like the 2018 red dead 2 horse physics are even better and yeah it feels so good just to ride around and someone will yell like over here like just doing that kind of stuff it felt like, like resting your brain, I guess, instead yeah. of like actively playing something, you just got to zone out, listen to music or a podcast and just like ride around. Like I would just do that a lot of times too. That's fun. Yeah. It's, I, I find it interesting, especially games that we, you know, people revisit, like what gets you to go back and like how you play those games, like the way that certain people will be attached to, especially a game that that expansive uh, yeah. with so much to do. It's like, certain people go in and just play it in a totally different way than i would uh yeah yeah so i find that interesting i got the platinum for red dead 2 which took me like three years straight up wow it took forever and then my partner for my birthday the year i finished it got me a cameo of the of um roger clark the guy who plays arthur morgan oh cool he was so cute and like i guess you like write a message and he was like Oh, you got the platinum for Red Dead. Like I, I'm trying to still get that. I can't even get like I, my brain was like, <laughs> I got so excited. Like, oh wow, just, it was really fun. I just need to find that video and tweet it maybe. But, oh, like yeah, just something about that world they've crafted there. I never felt like GTA has hit the same way that they're writing in Red Dead has. But sure. I'm curious to see six coming out soon. All we have is that short little 90 second trailer we got. Yes. Like, I really hope they learned a lot with their writing in Red Dead and that rubs off on GTA. Not that I didn't like the writing in GTA 5, but like it didn't even compare to the totally. writing in Red Dead 2. Yeah. Like whether it's I wonder if it's just such a different focus on uh, points of emphasis for a game that like yeah. I could see why they would do that for Red Dead 2 and maybe not put the same. GTA is about satire of society, I feel like, whereas Red Dead's about, like, human relationships. But I'd like to see more human relationships in GTA V while still being satirical because we all love the satire of Grand Theft Auto. It's like, and especially, like, with Florida being a setting. Like, that trailer was just, like, real things that happened. (laughs) So, like, are they even being satirical anymore? They literally just have to rip stuff off the internet and post it, and it feels satirical because the world is so crazy now. So I'm curious to see what they do with that. Yeah. I bet there's a line they could walk where they can, you know, live in that satirical world but still, like, emphasize those human relationships, I'm sure. Yeah, Um, yeah. That's that's fantastic. Uh, We just had – just said someone on the show talking about – well, we we do the occasional top 10 episode where I bring back past guests of the show in like a panel and have them list their top 10s uh, on the show. And someone had – I was thinking about Red Dead 2 because someone had Red Dead 2, I think like number two on their list. So pretty popular franchise there. Um, For you, maybe after that point, is there another game – uh, that sticks out in your mind as another like significant one for you in that time? Uh, I mean, Night in the Woods as well, which I guess yes. we'll talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, Twilight Princess, I've really gravitated, gravitated towards. Um, oh, cool. But I, 
I had I have crazy nostalgia goggles for that game. Like I realize that's why I like it so much, and I could I could admit that on live on air. Like I know that game oh, yeah. is the best Zelda game, but I think it is. Yes, because um, I met like I have a group of friends that are essentially like family to me, and I when we were first meeting each other like seventeen years ago, like when that game was coming out in like two thousand seven or whatever, um, we would come home from middle school and like run to my friend's house, bake a tray of cookies and then run upstairs and play Twilight Princess every day. Like four of us. Like it wasn't just like one of us was playing. Like we passed the controller and we beat it and just like started again and keep going. There was one (laughs) section where the snow, like the Yeti snowboards away from you Mm -hmm. and then you snowboard down the mountain. We had a save just for that part in case we felt like (laughs) doing the snowboard section. And we would just like boot, we called the snowboard save and we just boot it up and like snowboard down the hill and like do that over and over and try to have the best time between the four. But like we got so much out of that game. And I still, if I hear the soundtrack to that game, I'm like teleported back. Yes. To that time, so oh, oh wow, that's I love amazing! That game just for that, yeah. That image you painted too of like uh, four friends hanging out, cooking a tray of cookies, and then playing yeah. Twilight Princess, which, like, I associate so heavily with the winter because I like unexpectedly got a Wii the year it came out for Christmas, and I, I was a I've been a huge Zelda fan my whole life. Um, that was like the best Christmas of all time. Oh, it's amazing. Yes. Like the Wii was the best Christmas present ever. Yeah. I like, yeah. I mean, probably like you do, I would assume at least a little bit. I love sharing games with people as much as yeah. like, sure, my solitary gaming experiences are probably the biggest like chunk of how I experience games. But like if I can get someone to pick up a controller with me, even if they don't like it, like it's a dream. Yeah, it was the first Christmas where parents were like, I'll play. Like, yes. that's what I remember. It's like, if I got a GameCube or a PlayStation 2 or whatever, mom was like, have fun. But yes. something about the Wii, parents were like, oh, and like swinging that they wanted to come play tennis with you. That's yes. like, like why it hit so different. It appealed to so many different people because it was like, what is this weird thing? Yes. I yeah. like coincidentally, on my my mom's side of the family is from St. Louis, Missouri. And so my grandparents from St. Louis were visiting for that. So I also got to get my grandparents to play. Oh, that's like fun. The Wii. Yeah. Really, uh, really just bridged uh, the gaps of generations, that console. Bring it together. That's what we need to bring yes. the boomers and the millennials together was the Wii. Uh, and you know what? We just didn't know what we had. And now it's, uh, now it's history. Um, yeah. That's, that's so cool. I think, I think I've heard you talk about Twilight Princess before, but I'm like so glad we got to really get into that story. Uh, that's fantastic. Do you have um this is a side question. I won't dig into everything like this, but do you have a favorite dungeon in that game and is it the like Yeti Mansion? Uh the Yeti Mansion's fun. I think like the first forest temple with the monkeys. Oh, like that's really? just so fun. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to Cause I think what a lot of other Zelda games lack is like stakes to get you to wanna do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I don't particularly like Ocarina of Time. I'll, like, I hope I don't get <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, haters are flooding into the chat as we speak. No, go ahead. You're fine. It's fine. It's, it, it was the, like, you have to put it in context. It was, like, their first 3D yeah. ever. So, of course, it's not going to be the greatest. But think there was no reason for you to want to do anything besides, like, childlike wonder, I guess. So, as soon as you play it once, you're like, okay, well, what's the reason to get me to go to this next area? Whereas, I think Twilight Princess was really good because it had the best, like, it had the best narrative. It had the best reasons for wanting to do things, and it had the best side, like your your companion character Midna. Oh man! So she's the best. Like she literally, Fee like 
gets shot in the face by Midna. <laughs> Fee sucks compared to Midna. I hate Fee so much. All she does is say stats and is like, all right, Master, goodbye. Like, Midna will, like, trash talk you and make you care about stuff. And that yes. that moment where Midna's, like, sick and you're running back to the castle oh. to save her. Like, have you ever ran faster? Like, like the game actually makes you care about the characters and what's happening. And the fact that, like, oh, God, if I don't run fast enough, Midna could die. I was, like, my kid brain. I was yeah. like, ah! Like, I was so upset. Yes, there is no option. Die. We are getting her back. Yeah, besides, like, and then in other games, it's kind of just, like... Wouldn't it be cool if you came back? And you're like, I guess so. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Something about that game, I really cared about what happened. Um, and I guess that's why it stuck out a lot for me. And plus, that's best cool. music, best dungeons. Yeah. It has a gr- lot of the best. I, I'm surprised more people, I, like, I like to go to bat for it. But a lot of people kind of just say, oh, it's the weird dark one that everyone thought it was going to be cooler than it was. Yeah. But it has, like, the it has the best most stuff in it. I could talk about that game for a long time. A, a couple and... Anytime someone's t- like a guest like you is on here, I use everything as a way to point people to our legacy content that we've done. But two years <laughs> ago, we did a Zelda Games Club where we played through, I think, 15 of the 18 mainline Zelda titles in a year and Amazing. did podcasts on them. I remember you talking them. about that. Yeah. So those are now, like, for anyone out there listening, they're on a free feed. If you just search Super NPC Games Club, you can find my episode on Twilight Princess. But I... Like, I was so into it that year that I have, like, rankings in, like, a Google sheet that's, like, dungeons. What's the score out of five? And that one especially, like, those dungeons are top tier for me. Yeah. And, of course, Midna's, like, the greatest character they've ever made, I think. Yeah. They need to – I would love if the next – I think the next Zelda should be Twilight Princess 2. I think after they do their crazy expansive – Tears of the Kingdom, open world crazy. If they were to go back to linear narrative again, mm-hmm. it needs to be like Twilight Princess, but just like way better story, like even ramp up how good that story was and just do yeah. it again and like bring Min, like finally have Minna come back. Mm, that's pretend none of that stuff and that. What was that ver- game they had where you just mow down bacoblins out in a field? Oh, Link's crossbow techn- training. <laughs> no, no, not that. Uh, that one, I used to love that one. It's like oh. the one where, what's what's the genre of game where there's really just like a thousand dudes and you just whip your oh. sword around and run um, around? It's a, it's a Musou game, but it's the Hyrule Warriors. Yes. Like yes. technically Midna came back in that, but oh. I don't know if that's canon or not. Like I just want Twilight Princess 2 and it's called that yes. and we know that's what's happening and there's like a new game in that world and maybe the wolf thing could be more fun because I know yeah. a lot of people hate the wolf and being the wolf and thought it was yeah. boring, but... Well, Santa, if you're listening, I think Haley's <laughs> got a pretty fair wish here. Uh, I just have want you played? Back. I know we keep talking about Twilight Princess, but have you? I played the um, the Wii U version for the first time for that mm-hmm. club. I've only ever played I played like on the Wii like four times in my life. Have you played the Wii U version? Yeah, I had the. Yeah. I had. I'll look at my <gasps> dog underneath me. I had the amiibo, but she chewed it up. <gasps> oh no! I'm Stable. so sorry to hear that. that. I love that. Uh, the Wii U version is quite good. Um, yeah, because it's like, especially if you don't like control, like shaking controls or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just a straight up, like just use the tablet. I'm a big Wii U defender. I loved the Wii U. I still think the Wii U is good. Like, yes. I, you know, I still think it was great. It had amazing titles on it that nobody played. Mm-hmm. Like it's party games were some of the best party games that they've ever made. Yeah. Like not just Mario Party, but like Nintendo Land and like those other side oh. ones they did. They're like the best mini games ever in those ones. And yeah, the pad is like the clunkiest, junkiest thing they probably ever made too. But something about that 
it's just they named it bad, I think. Yeah. If it had been not named the Wii U, maybe people would have liked it. Yeah, if it wasn't confusing, uh, I still appreciate it for, I, I like, I'm so glad that I have one of, like, 12 million that were ever sold. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, like, but none of them that I bought. I'll, I'll go to bat for the gamepad, too. Sure, it's, like, feels like a child's, like, toy, but I love dog. the way it, like, sits in your hand, actually. Way yeah. more comfortable than the Switch. Yeah. And obviously, it, it does sit better. Yeah. It has like nubs in the back, so you can. It's kind of like a Steam Deck, honestly. Like the the back, the way the back of it rests in your hands. It's just the front of it's crap. Yes, <laughs> so just the back. Yeah, it's like a 40, 480p screen. It's not that bad, but it's pretty rough. Um, it's pretty rough. But uh, amazing. Um, well, we we've talked a bit about your history with games. I want to ask you just a couple more questions before we close this segment out. Um, yeah. First of which, if you looked back on your history with games in general. Could you pick out like a, a console you're most nostalgic for? Um, I don't want to repeat things we just talked about, but it might be the Wii. Okay, I love the or, Wii getting love. Uh, I did love my PlayStation. Hmm. Hmm. I used to play so many games on my PlayStation, like the original PlayStation. Yeah, wow. like the, the gray, cruddy one. I have it in a drawer somewhere. I think it actually is it in this drawer right here. Like my partner makes fun of me. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> oh, amazing! <laughs> my PlayStation. Oh my gosh, that's just beautiful. I love this thing. Oh, oh, my memory card's still in it. What games in here? Spyro, Ripto's Rage. Oh wow, is that the that's the sequel, right? That's not the third yeah. one. That's the okay. second one. That's my cool. favorite Spyro. Is the second one. Okay. But I used to. You can see it. It's pretty gross, but it's got a lot of love. Like I used to play yes. this thing like crazy. I'm sorry. I scared, I scared Sable. Sorry, Sable. Um, but uh, that or the Wii. Like I, cool. I have really fond memories of like hanging out at a friend's house and playing Wii. Like, yes. Even though I had a Wii, like my friend Beth, growing up, I remember she was the first of my friends to get a Wii. She got Ooh. it for Hanukkah, and we like would run to her house and be like, Beth, we need to play Wii Sports like after school today. And she also had like Dance Dance Revolution. She had all the cool games. She's like wow. a cool girl who had all the games. But something about like I got like just playing mar- tennis for hours, mm-hmm. just Wii Sports tennis. And then when Wii Sports Resort came out, like that hit so good too. And oh, yes. like, the, I think it was the Wii. What about you? Yeah. For me, it, it's still the N64 because that was the first console that was mine. Uh, yeah. I grew up with an original Nintendo, never knew a Super Nintendo existed, and then I saw <laughs> Super Mario 64 at a Toys R Us and was like, I need this to be a part of my life. Uh, yeah. So it's the it's the N64, but like I could That's do fair. shows about any like so many consoles that I'd care about. Um, I love your answer, though. Um, lastly... Um, do you want to touch on either something you've been playing lately, um, and maybe we've started to talk about it already, uh, or would you like to, like, list a game that you're looking forward to anticipating that hasn't come out yet? Yeah, I mean, a game that caught me off guard was Baldur's Gate 3 this year. Mm. That was not on my radar at all. I've never played a CRPG, like, I've never dabbled in that genre. I was intimidated by it. And then, like, yeah, I, I was joking around with Sarah Pazorski, who's on Max as well. And she, because she's been waiting for this since, like, what, 2019 or something? Like, she's been, she wow. played all the betas and did all the 
early access stuff and like all that kind of stuff. She's been waiting and waiting, yelling from the rooftops. This game's really good. And like no one was listening to her. <laughs> and then I come along the day before it comes out. And I'm like, this looks cool. And it becomes like my game of the year. Wow. <laughs> so I felt like I time traveled and like cheated, <laughs> like finding yes. it so late. But yeah, my partner was like, no, I might buy this Baldur's Gate 3 game. It looks cool. And I was like, oh, show me the trailer. And then as soon as I watched the trailer, I was like, I'm buying that. That looks amazing. Yes. And then it was, I did have a touch and go moment where I was like, uh, I don't know if I get it. Like, this is really intimidating. And then as soon as I pushed back that initial, like, I'm intimidated by this. I don't know what is an action. What's a bonus action? What's a cantrip? What's a, what's, <laughs> what do the classes mean? Like, who's fire resistant? Who's not? Like, oh my God, like info dump at you. I watched some YouTube videos and then I was like, I just got really into it and I've never played D&D either. Like I didn't know what a tiefling was or a druid or any of that kind of thing. And it's just like completely taken over my brain. I absolutely adore it. And I haven't like resonated with a game like that in a really long time. Like where it feels like I'm just having fun. (laughs) That sounds so lame, but like, like I'm playing like a kid again, like I'm playing imaginary pretend in like this fun world. It's like, could I go up and do this? And you do it. You're like, I can Yippee! like, you just like have fun and like test things out. And the characters are so well written, like Asterian, the guy who voices Asterian won the game award for um, his performance. And it was yes. so well earned because he was he's absolutely fantastic. I just did a section literally last night. He has like a side quest thing in act three where it's kind of like his big moment and oh. stuff happens. And I was I was like almost crying at his oh. performance. <laughs> I was like, this is a, like the voice acting is, you know, how people is kind of discredit games. It's like, oh, it's good for games. Like, sure. You yeah, know, kind of like punching like down have that a caveat. Bit. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, this is the best voice acting in like most of any media I've like ever yeah. seen. Like, he was fantastic in, in that. And he's also just so chippy and fun. Oh, I just love all the characters. So I was really not not anticipating that. And it's got me thinking, like, what else have I missed in, like, the CRPG genre now? If, like, I like this, there's probably a bunch of other stuff that I missed. Like, maybe I'll try out Divinity Sin, like, their yeah. other game series. Like, I've never thought to try. Like, probably the next game they release, I don't know if they'll do Baldur's Gate 4 or they'll do another Divinity Sin. But hmm. I'll probably, like, if they do Divinity Sin, I'll, I'm going to try it now. Because it's like, yeah. I clearly like it. I just have never... It's something in your brain looks at it and goes, not for me. Yes. But then when you try it and you're like, oh, crap, what? I, that was stupid. Like, it actually yeah. is insanely for me. This is amazing. I So I might I have a recommendation for you then if if like y- yeah. you're newly into this genre. Um, I had a guest come on recently and talk about Dragon Age Origins um, mm-hmm. that was also – okay, no, I think that was also a Bioware game. But it has a lot in common with Baldur's Gate 3 and she was yeah. like – she came on to talk about Dragon Age Origins, but she was like, but I am currently obsessed with this for a lot of similar reasons. So Yeah, that seems like it's similar vibes. And I've always wanted to know more about that series. but And I haven't yeah. really paid, played that much Bioware, to be honest, either. Me neither. The only... I finally played the first Mass Effect a couple years ago when that uh, yeah. like Legendary Edition came out. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. I, I want to play, uh, play more, but, uh, you know, time and all that. It's hard um, to dive into a old game that you know is going to take a hundred hours. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> when so uh, much stuff's going on. Um, well, Haley, it's been so great to hear about you know a few like sort of critical or like wa- warm moments from your history uh, with gaming. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break now, um, but then when we come back, we'll talk about all things. Uh, I almost forgot the game we're talking about today: Night in the Woods. Uh, so I'll see you on the other side.
Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. I'm still here. It's your host, Connor McCabe, here with Haley McLean. Haley, welcome back. Hello. Uh, like we said before the break, we're going to get into your game of choice today. You've brought on Night in the Woods. Um, and like I told you as well, I'm going to do a little table setting uh, for what this game is. But if you want to jump in at any point, because you are uh, significantly more knowledgeable about it than me, <laughs> if you think there's something that's like, hey, this is actually would be important to get into before uh, we talk about your experience, you still got the green light, just so you know. Okay, sounds good. All right, great. So I'll just get into it. For us here, Night in the Woods is a 2017 single-player adventure video game developed by the Infinite Fall, uh, by Infinite Fall, excuse me, and published by Finji. The story follows, uh, as Haley told us earlier, a young woman named May Borowski who drops out of college and returns to her hometown to find unexpected changes. Uh, and when we when I say young woman, um, she every character in this game is an animal of some sort. Uh, I'm, I'm getting off script here a little bit, but, you know, I'm glad I, I mean, of course I researched the game for this episode, but I can see, I think, two Night in the Woods things behind you at least. Yeah, I have, well, that's my, yeah, my May light. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and then this, that actually is Cult of the Lamb, but it kind of looks like oh, uh, okay. Night in the Woods. But I do have the Night in the Woods vinyl, like right here. Oh, I love very the music nice. so much. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I love um, it. So May is a May is a cat. Um, we'll probably talk about what some of the other characters are, but just so so anyone's if anyone's listening and has not seen or played the game, uh, that's some important context. Um, the game was funded uh, via Kickstarter, where it earned over four hundred percent of its initial fifty thousand dollar funding goal. Uh, amazing. A uh, prior. So I guess that means about $200,000. Uh, I'm great at math. Uh, prior to the release of this game, uh, a companion game titled Longest Night was released in December 2013. Um, and there was an additional a little, um, uh, like, I guess, supplemental game call, uh, released in 2014 called uh, The Lost Constellation. Uh, I was planning about talking about these in the fun facts um segment later but i'll go ahead and just talk about them now have you played either of these before no i never played them um i've been thinking about going back and playing those actually um because i always replayed night in the woods in the fall yes and i did that every year for like like four years Mm. straight um and then but when i got the platinum i stopped doing it because to get the platinum you have to do multiple playthroughs because you can choose which people to hang out with on any given oh, sure. day. So a different playthrough of the game, you could see all different content because you'll choose to hang out with Greg versus B or something on, on any given other day. So it kind of encourages you to play through a few different times. But no, I never, and I was like, this fall, I was kind of like, oh, I'm missing Night in the Woods. Like I'm not playing it. And I was busy with other stuff anyways. But I was like, I, I should go back and do that. That's a good idea because maybe next fall I'll do that because it kind of feels like I'm getting my Night in the Woods fix without yeah. just replaying it again. Totally. They're like I checked today and they're both available still on itch for like a pay what you can uh, sort of uh, scale. So so they're they are available there. Um, The game was released uh, on February 21st, 2017, originally for Windows, Mac, Linux and the PS4 Um, after the initial slight delay from their original release date in January. The Xbox One version was released on December 13th, 2017, um, and an extended version of the game titled Weird Autumn Edition was released for uh, several platforms as well, 
uh, at the end of the year, and the game finally came to Switch uh, in 2018. Uh, this version uh, features new content not seen in the first release, uh, as well as the supplemental games. Um, and I guess a version for iOS was even released in 2021. Um, as far as the that. game's reception goes, uh, it received critical praise for its soundtrack, story, dialogue, and characters. Um, as far as just like game context for Night in the Woods, is there anything else you wanted to include before we like get into your personal history with the game? Um, I guess, yeah, like they're all animals, I guess, but that it's not like that's a plot point. <laughs> like it's truly just an artistic style thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other context too is they had a new game that was going to come out soon, which I was so excited for, called Revenant Hill. But it got canceled like completely uh, about yes. a month or so ago because uh, I guess two of the main people who work on in that studio, Infinite Fall, are quite sick, and mm. it's I'm not sure what the context of like what their illness is or if they're ever going to get better or anything like that. But they had to cancel the project, so super sad. I hope they're okay. Um, t- like, and as much as that sucks, it's like human beings. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm fine if I don't get to play my totally. follow up dream game. I'm you know, it's it's really sad to hear because they're such a small studio. Um, and, and the art style was still the same and it looked very similar vibes. Mm. There's even a cat character who's like, <laughs> it's not like a cat, like an anthropomorphic cat. It's like a straight up cat, oh. but it looks just like May. So I was like, oh, like, are they going to be cheeky and like talk about Night in the Woods a little bit? Like it, yeah. it's literally just May's face, but as a cat. So I was interested to see what they do with that. And now I guess it's just this loss forever, which is yeah. kind of poetic. <laughs> Yeah, bummer. Um, but like like you said, you know, small potatoes uh, losing the game compared to you know these people going through some illnesses. So heart yeah. goes out to them and hope they can recover. Um, well, uh, thank you for for help for adding on a little bit there. But why don't we get into your history with it? How did you come to discover this first game or this game in the first place? I'm trying to think of when whether it was it, it couldn't have been on PlayStation PlayStation Plus because I played it in 2017. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I find games, like, I remember, especially back in that time period, like, 2017, 2019, like, a lot of my games were PlayStation Plus games yeah. because I had no money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's genuinely why. Um, but I, th- what I recall, I'm pretty sure I saw a trailer for it and was like, Haley game. I was like, this looks like a yeah. Haley game. And I just loved the art style right away. And I didn't really know much else about it besides how good it looked. Like, I just liked the art. And so I was like, I'll give it a try. And then um, I was living with my best friend Michael at the time and it was my first time not living at home um, Mm. because I lived at home all during my university like my first degree and uh it was like oh I'm finally moving out and I'm becoming like I was 24 at the time which is so late but I guess people nowadays also are living with their parents so late because everything costs so much it's just kind of sucks but it, it definitely hits different to be in your early 20s living at home which is what this game is about. (laughs) So it really resonated with me because I was just leaving that phase and I still felt weird about it. And then the fact that the plot so heavily focuses on what does it feel like to be early 20s and feeling stuck and feeling like, like you're still a kid, but just because you're in your childhood home but you still are technically an adult now and you yeah. want to be growing as a person and feeling older, but you can't because you're literally stagnant both physically and like mentally because you're just where you grew up you're in your childhood bedroom. I think that that game did a really good job of tackling those kind of thoughts and like the realistic feelings you have with your parents. Like you love your parents, but 
it's so easy to it's so much easier to get into fights with them when you're in your early 20s compared to when you're 15 because when you're 15 you're like this makes sense i'm supposed to be here but when yes. you're 24 you're like this shouldn't be how i feel like i should be doing what i want to do but so i thought it was really interesting that so as soon as i realized that was kind of the plot i latched onto it pretty quick so i remember i was living with yeah, Michael, my best friend, who I met playing Twilight Princess. He's like, that's one of my core I friends. I love it. <laughs> playing Twilight Princess. Um, <laughs> still my best friend, like, 17 years later. I love that boy. And uh, it was like, he would peek over my shoulder and would, would would read some of the text, I remember, and be like, damn, this is, like, heavy stuff. Like, it's very, it can get really heavy. And a, lo- a lot of the plot, too, is about, like, May has um, some really severe mental health issues too. So it tackles mental health stuff as well. Like she struggles with like derealization and anxiety Mm. and all that kind of stuff. So the plot kind of talks about that and how that kind of stuff doesn't mesh well with university culture where it's like, Hey, I can't even think correctly. And they're like too bad passing your paper, like how those kind of things can conflict as well. And that was also something I was struggling with at the time too. So I was like, damn, was this made for me? Like it it just really was one of those games where, I was like coming up here in my point in my life and the game was like, I'm talking about this experience. And I was like, this is me. This is my experience. And it just like felt like it was made for me. So yeah. it really resonated with me right away. And then as soon as I beat it, I was like, I'm playing this every year. And it's such fall vibes too. Like it's mm. it's set. It takes place in the fall. The soundtrack is very Twin Peaks fall. Like yes. I actually only started watching Twin Peaks for the first time this year because of Alan Wake. <laughs> like yeah. so everyone was like, I can't believe Haley has ever played Twin Peaks. What the heck? And I was like, fine, I'll or watch Twin Peaks. I was like, fine, I'll watch Twin Peaks. And there was a song on, in episode one of Twin Peaks, and I was like, that's from Night in the Woods. And I realized they just like took samples from Twin Peaks and like oh. made some of this. Like so, I was like, oh, obviously it's inspired by Twin Peaks. And yes. it also made me realize like I can't believe I've never watched Twin Peaks because all the shit I love is like inspired by Twin Peaks. So of course I'm yeah. gonna like it because <laughs> everything below it is like re- referencing it, and I just have never watched it. Yes. But yeah, it was. It's just. It was it hit me at the perfect time in my life. So now I have like a weird remembrance. Like when I play it, I think about how my brain felt at that yeah. time. And it's it's like a time capsule of like my emotions a little bit. Like 2017 Haley and how she felt. Because it's sometimes hard to remember how you felt in certain times of your life. Your mm-hmm. brain's pretty good at like etch a sketching and being like, that was traumatic and hard to deal with. Let's forget about that. Yes. And you don't remember it the same way. But when I play that game, I'm like, oh no, I remember like waking up the morning that I played this scene and how shitty I felt. Like I it weirdly yeah. brings back memories. Totally. Yeah. I can relate to that uh, or I find interesting, I guess, that sort of, I don't know if I call it a phenomenon, but that like sensation of like something being able to pull you back to a point. And mm-hmm. I, what you were experience or describing your experience with this game, how it can bring you back to that time period like that happens with me with like music. Like mm-hmm. for for whatever reason, if I'll grow attached to like an album, I will play it into the ground. And I think that sort of like meshes itself into that time for me. And so if I pull up like uh for example, like the the Gorillas Demon Days album, like I remember finishing eighth grade, being like intimidated about going into high school and all that comes with it. So Yeah, yeah. Like that's such a real thing that I think you're that you have experienced with that, and it's just uh, very interesting. Also, I wanted to touch on too, when doing research for this game, I was like just seeing the parallels 
obviously completely different game than Alan Wake, which like is all I feel like I talked to you about. But <laughs> seeing the similarities and some of the things that are tied together, uh, like the small town, uh, like small town yeah. America and the mystery of what's really going on and the Twin Peaks tie. I was like, I mean, if we hadn't talked about Alan Wake so much, that would have been on my recommendation list <laughs> as something that's like, oh, this is similar, but far different. Yeah, no, it definitely has similar vibes to Alan Wake, which is so weird because they're so vastly different things. <laughs> but no, it definitely is like, what's it like when you are in a town where everyone knows your name, everyone wants to be in on your business and know what you're doing. And oh, you're like a lot of the reoccurring things is you wake up in night in the woods every day is May. And when you step outside, all your neighbors are like, why are you back? Like they not only do they know who you are, but mm. they know you're supposed to be at college. And why aren't you there right now? Which is such an intimate, like small town thing. Like yeah. if I were to like step outside in a bigger city your your neighbors just like don't look at you and they walk away but in small towns they're like may i thought you were in school for psychology like they know everything about you yes so it just, it, all of a sudden it feels way more intimate and it feels way more like ugh. like i don't yeah. want to go outside because mr mcgregor next door is gonna chirp me for not being at school like it's it hits so different and i think twin peaks is like that too is like when someone dies in a town that small like that episode one, everyone's like affected by it. It's mm -hmm. not just like, oh, some girl died. It's like, oh my God, she died. Ah, and the whole school closes down for a day and everything's different after that. So that's very much the same energy that they bring in Tonight in the Woods. And I think that's really purposeful. And as soon as I heard the music in Twin Peaks, I was like, oh, this is just the music <laughs> in Night in the Woods. I can't believe I've never realized that before. <laughs> yes, that's that's great. Um, mm -hmm. you, you've talked a bit too about, you know, the context of when you were playing this, you know, like first time living away from home with your friend Michael. Can you do a little scene painting for me and sort of describe the room uh, where you would have been playing it and what your setup was like? We had... What a fun question because, yeah, it kind of exposes where I was at in my life at that point. <laughs> oh, no. Had, no, no, like in a fun way because it's like... I'm kind of, I'm just turned 30 now and Congrats. I'm reaching that point. In, thank you. I'm reaching that point in my life where I'm replacing the furniture I found in the garbage when I was 23. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Like you naturally get to that point where you're like, I love this thing, but it looks disgusting. Yes. I need to buy a new table. <laughs> like, and you only kind of can do that once you've been working for a couple of years outside of school and you have a bit more financial security. Like I never felt that up until like this year. So yeah. I was like looking around. I'm like, time to get rid of my all my stuff I had in my apartment with Michael. And I'm like, oh, it's such good memories. Uh -huh. But in that room, we had two TVs, which were both hand-me-down TVs. They were huge and clunky, but we had them side by side so we could play Overwatch at the same time because Overwatch came out the year before. And we awesome. both loved Overwatch. <laughs> so we would sit on and he was doing his master's in physics degree that year. And I was just working retail and mm -hmm. doing games journalism stuff. So I had so much free time and he was so busy. He's a little super genius. He's so smart. <laughs> so I'd just be like, come play Overwatch with me. And he'd be like, I have a paper on. I don't even know words that he would say. He'd be like, well, yes. well, like some physics word. And I'm like, okay, never mind. But and then the thing that we held it on was we lived down the street from a church and they threw out a thing that held all their Bibles. And we mm. like, we like, it sounds, I didn't steal it, but we took it because they threw yes. it out. And we just spray painted <laughs> it blue. And then our cons, we wanted to put our consoles in it, but they didn't fit because <laughs> Bibles are like this long. So like it was fit designed perfectly for yes. Bibles. So we had to like 
get my dad to come over with his little jack saw and cut out specific shapes of all our consoles so we could slide them through and they would oh. stick out the back and look stupid. <laughs> like the back of it looked ridiculous because all our consoles were just like hanging out yes. on the back. But like, so we had two PS4s. So we cut out two perfect things for our PS4s. We had the Wii U, so we had to do a little curve yeah. circle so the Wii U would fit through. And what was the other thing we had? I think the I think our N64 was there and cool. it fit because it was kind of small. So we just had to drill holes so the cords could go in the back. Yeah. And then we had all our games on it and that <laughs> that's what held our TV. And <laughs> uh, the rest of our stuff was a couch my brother was throwing away. Um, a cool chair I got from Value Village that actually was really comfy. That's probably the best thing in the room. And then a bunch of plants. A table I used to use as my art table when I was a kid for my parents' house was our dining room table. Yeah, wow. And then just, like, posters and stuff, and that was, like, our... So, like, very much student energy, but, like, we tried to make it cozy. Like, it wasn't like it was dirty stuff or whatever. Like, we'll paint this and make it cute. Like, we'll spend the 25 bucks on the spray paint so that it doesn't just look like a brown, dirty Bible thing. Like, we made it a fun color and stuff, but... Yeah, we we have, like, uh, Snapchat memories that'll come, come up on our phone. Like, the first time we were so into overwatch like the first overwatch christmas event we had like our tv was like in an alcove shoved into the wall so we had like lights and garlands all around the tv and the two tvs had the like little the little i don't know you call it but like the menu screen of like may and tobjorn and tracer all with santa hats on like this and it was like the christmas holiday event and we were getting ready to sit down and just play the christmas holiday event for like 10 hours straight into the evening because it was a weekend and I was like, and we were like, oh, we didn't even know how awesome those times were. Like, that was so fun. And yeah, it's you just like, we'll drive by sometimes the house we used to live in is now just, I think it's an Airbnb now. Oh, Ugh. dang. I know. It's, and it's, I is it, it the same town that you grew up in? Yeah. I actually okay, lived gotcha. only like three blocks from my parents, but I still needed to move out. I was like, it's, it's time. I need to, like, I'm taking a year. I'm working retail so I can afford it. Like, I'm not just doing game journalism stuff. I need to work totally but i need to move out because i'm going <laughs> i love yes. my parents but i was i felt like i that's what the game's about it's like yeah i feel i feel like i'm not growing up i feel like i'm 16 still and i need to feel different and i'm going crazy i just need to do this even if it's three blocks away yeah and i'm spending you know fifteen hundred dollars instead of zero dollars i just it, like needed to be done yes that space i mean it even though the distance is uh, very small, it's not <laughs> insignificant to have that space for yourself and just yeah. that distance so that you can have, you know, more autonomy or what, what have you. Literally, because you really do feel stagnant at that time in your life. Like, whenever I talk to early 20s people, it's like, I try to think about how that felt like being that age. Because, like, mm-hmm. now your brain truly changed. I don't know how old you are. How old are you? I'm 33. You're 33. I was yes. going to say, you look, you, you look young. I was going to say, are you early 20s? <laughs> hey, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I wish. Um, but it's like, the by no means are people in, who are 23 like a kid. But mm-hmm. thinking back to how I felt when I was 23 is like so vastly different to how I my brain works now. Like I I, I feel like I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I was 23 years old. So it's it, it was interesting that that game came out right at that time and it was about that because it helps me remember what that felt like. And I kind of use that game as like a goalpost for like my mental state at that yeah. point in my life. And I don't think if I, if I had played this game, I would have, I would have be so good at remembering that maybe mm-hmm. just the fact that this game is about being that age and feeling yeah. like that. So I think that's another like nice thing about it is it's, 
like you were saying with music, it's almost like, you know how smells can bring you back? It's like a Big smell. Time. Yeah. Like it's like I when I play this game, it's like my brain gets triggered and I think about it being 23. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's uh, that's amazing. And it's just it's so funny. Still, I'm just thinking about what how perfect this game was for that point in your life. It, it feels like that's almost its own Twin Peaks episode or whatever. It's like it's <laughs> almost so on the nose that it's like, how is that possible? But it, yeah. it's just what you experienced. Yeah. And like as the story progresses, it gets it focuses more on that subplot, the like mystery. Mm-hmm. So you still have that feeling, but the start of that game especially is very much like fighting, waking up and fighting with your mom. Cause you're getting up at 1 PM every day. And it's like, why are you sleeping in so late? Like literally fights I had with my mom every day. Yes. It's like, why are you sleeping in so late? It's like, cause I stay up later than you. Why do you go to bed so early? Like yeah. you're just as lazy as me. You just sleep at different hours than me. Like the exact fights you have with your parents. And they were just like, it felt like someone transcribed them and put them in a game. Yeah, it it was almost spooky. Yeah, it was like a Twin Peaks episode. I'm like, is this me? Like, how did Infinite Fall like record the last fight my mom and I had and (laughs) put it in this game? (laughs) Gosh, that's that's amazing. Uh, When it comes to uh, the game itself, are there any other like little elements or like a moment that still sticks out to you to this day? Um, There is like a really good scene where you it's another one where like May's having a fight with her mom. And they're talking about how she kind of squandered her university experience. So mm. as a at like I kind of res- I never like dropped out of university, but I always kind of thought like that's something that we were so taught when we were young, like uh, like millennials like us. is like if you go to university, you get to get as much money as you want. Like we <laughs> promise take the debt on. You're gonna, like, how much did they shove that down our throats when we were in elementary school? It was like it's it, like their top priority is what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. So I like really doubled down and was like, I'm going to go to university. I'm going to really focus on this. And that's kind of where I thought like my success was coming from. So this year that I was living with Michael was the year I was, it was like one of the only years that I wasn't going to school. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to try to do games journalism and I'm going to do this. And if I can't do it in a year, I'll go back to school Mm -hmm. because like, I guess that's like the, I never said that out loud, but that was like my thought process. So it was almost like I had this short time to be what I wanted to be. So I had a weird clock in my brain that was like, hurry up. Oh, it's almost Christmas and it's been half the year and you're not what you want to be. It's like, what a horrible way to like, like try to think of your life. But that's like what May was doing too, but just in a different way where she dropped out of university and she didn't know what to do now. Mm. And so it was almost kind of like we had similar, I had a similar like anxiety that she did, but my problem was different. Like she didn't know what she wanted to do. Yes. And she couldn't figure it out, but I knew what I wanted to do and I just couldn't do it quick enough. Yeah. And I only had a s- short amount of time. But the similarity there was that the parent figures would still be like, what are you doing? Like, what yeah. are you doing? What's going on? Like, tell me what's happening. And it's coming from a place of love. Like, and the game reiterates that it's like May's parents aren't mean. They love her. But at the same time, it's like when you're that age and you're not doing what you want to do, you're already frustrated about it it's hard to hear what's the plan for like the 80th time. Cause you're like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't totally. know what the plan is, but I want to know. And I think I need to be alone to figure it out. But like there's, you know, you still feel reliant on them because everything costs a million dollars. If you want to live anywhere other than home, if you want to buy groceries, if you want to pay for your car, if you want to do anything, it's just like money, money, money. It's like, if you really 
the fact that yeah it's weird to think back on that it's like i have a year to make my dreams come true and then i didn't yeah. do it and i went back to school yeah and it's just like crazy and i still worked in games journalism while i was in school and stuff but that really felt like the time when i was the most stressed out about it and i learned to get less stressed and just like i don't need to do that in a year calm down Haley, and like rejig how my brain thought about it totally but the anxieties that may was feeling in her game were similar to mine and just like a fight you have with your mom in that game is her just being like what's the point of us trying so hard with you if you're just gonna go out not go finish university like oh my gosh like that like when your parents finally sit you down and it feels like a scary talk and it's like we love you you need to figure this out time to plan and like you don't have an answer for them it's like one of the worst feelings you can feel as a young adult because you're just like i don't know what to tell you all i can tell you is that i don't want to just do something safe i want to do what i want to do but then you reach a point where you're like i guess i have to do something safe and it's like so soul crushing absolutely that's what that game's kind of about totally there's we were talking just this is almost getting into some of the stuff we were talking about before we were recording today and you know Mm -hmm. just coming from my world you know like being in a community of of artists specifically like actors and writers like this is something that i think would be relevant to so many of us still as far as, you know, sort of, because it can often feel like you're building the train tracks in front of you as you're going on them. I may have mixed up that metaphor with something about stairs, but you get the point. Um, That makes more sense, train tracks. (laughs) Okay, cool. Then I'm going to stick with it. Um, Where it's just, you know, (laughs) no one makes it the same. No one path is the one way. Uh, path that someone got into an industry you know I'm, i know i'm kind of leaning specifically entertainment here but might not be advice that you can give to someone who's trying to do it now i think it's i've heard games journalists and probably even specifically people on minmax be like well i could give you advice but like that is irrelevant because i did this however many years ago or even how yeah. someone else broke in more recently might not be relevant so it's it's just it's a very relevant challenge that will probably be um, relevant for a while, I think, for people. Yeah, like I had a really, really weird experience growing up where I loved this art, this photographer. Um, his name was Roberto de Tesco, and he did f- – I have um, – there's an island off the coast of where I live called Sable Island, and that's why my dog is named Sable. Oh. And uh, it has horses on it. And it's like, it's called the Graveyard of the Atlantic. So the reason that horses are on it is because of shipwrecks oh. and all the, and people would die and the horses would just swim to shore and they've lived there for like decades now wow. and they've become their own breed. So they're the Sable Island ponies. So, um, and they just live out on this crescent shape of land with like only sand dunes and the grass and the, and little pools of water, like from like little lakes and stuff. And it's just like the most unique, it's a national park now. It became a national oh. park in 2011. And uh, I'm just, like, so fascinated by that, that there's just this random island out in the middle of the ocean and horses are just, like, chilling there. And yeah. then you can't touch the horses. You can't walk up to them. Like, they're just, if they are sick, like, it's sad, but they just are sick and they pass away. Like, they're very untouched by society. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so interesting that <laughs> that's a thing. So I got very <laughs> obsessed with Sable Island. And Roberto was one of the few artists who got allowed to go there and take pictures of them. So he, I really loved his, his photos. I had like tons of pictures of them everywhere and he lived in New York. So my mom surprised me when I graduated and took me to New York to like go to his art gallery. And we didn't know, like we weren't, we weren't, we didn't schedule to meet him or anything, but he happened to be there that day. 
So we went in and he was really nice. He walked me around the gallery, gave me a bunch of free prints and stuff. And then Oh my goodness. My mom was like, What advice do you have for her? Like she's creative too. She wants to do something creative. And I was so ready for him to have some inspiring speech. And he was like, Do do something you don't like to pay the bills and then do what you want to do in your free time. Yeah. And I so thought it was gonna be the opposite. And I remember <laughs> like being 17 and hearing that and just being like wow the person that i respect the most just gave me the advice that i really don't want to hear <laughs> like you know yes. what I mean? it, it, and it, and he totally and you know what that's kind of like what we're just talking about is like when someone says to me like how did you get to be able in the game industry even like in a sub legal way like i want to be in the game industry too it's like it's so hard to be like you can do it a hundred percent because i didn't know if i could do it for 10 years and i tried like crazy to do it for 10 years and I couldn't do it. So I had to make up this own unique, like extra path around. And I don't know if that'll work for everyone or whatever, but it's so hard to be the Roberto and be like, you can't do make money to make money. And then maybe you can do it in your free time. And as much as his advice was like kind of true, it just like sucked to hear. And I remember thinking that as a kid, like now that I'm older, I can kind of be like, okay, I get it. But I wish he had phrased it a little different because that hit me like a ton of bricks when I was 17. Yeah, <laughs> now that could have been delivered a little more soft despite like how true it probably is for most people. Yeah, and he was such a sweet man. But like he's telling me that in his studio where he gets to make tens of thousands of dollars selling prints, like doing what he loves yes. for his job. So it, like it, it's also hard to hear that when you're young and coming up and being like, you did it. Yeah. Like, what the heck, man? Like, why can't I? But it's it's true that every path for every person is different. And he might have just got lucky and some random person decided he was allowed to go to the island one day. Yeah. And that's how he got on to be one of the only people who took pictures of these crazy horses that make for really good living room art for rich people. And that's how he makes all his money. Like, yeah. that's and he just got lucky, maybe. Like, he's also a very talented artist. I still have a lot of his prints and stuff. But... It's it's hard to hear, and then now that I'm older, it's like I do, I always think about that. It's like I don't want to be Roberto and say that, but yeah. I also don't want to mislead people and say you can do it because I did. I don't know. Like it's yeah. so ugh, it sucks. It's just it, like the world, I guess. It's so challenging, especially in a world that you know is increasingly more difficult to survive in, like every day for people, mm-hmm. especially someone who would be in this situation of like not having it so easy uh it's it's brutal because you want to be encouraging but don't want to mislead someone i don't know it's there's probably no perfect advice for like everyone sort of thing yeah there i remember another instance that's kind of similar to this is i was walking on the beach listening to uh i think it was p.s i love you and it was back when colin and greg did it together and they were talking about them getting into the game industry and uh I think Greg took the approach of like, yeah, you can do it. Like you can try. Like mm-hmm. I very much inc- like to encourage people to reach for their dreams, whatever. And Colin was the antithesis and he's like, no, I tell people like they won't be able to do it because I don't yeah. want them to mess up their life. And it was like, <laughs> it's like, that's such a hard line to walk because they're both kind of right. But I, there truly is no one answer. But like, yeah. I think, I think it potentially could do more harm to not discuss the risks that go into financially burdening yourself for several years especially with the university like i think gen z seems oh, to yeah. be leaning away from the university is required to do what you want to do mentality mm-hmm. because university is so much more expensive now um and especially gen alpha coming after them like i feel like none of them are going to want to go to university because everything costs so much now but it's just weird how yeah like you were saying advice i give 
now won't even make sense because the situation that led me to here depended on how the world was set up 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, how do you give advice? Because now, especially in Canada, we have a crazy cost of living crisis right now. Mm. And it's like ev- literally like I, w- I was in the United States last week or the week before that. And all your food is so cheap. Like it, wow. it made me realize how like uh, uh, two chicken breasts is like $18 here yeah. right now. Gosh. It's like, how do you, how do I make a meal for me Truly. and my partner? If yeah. uh, the chicken and nothing else is 20 bucks. Because I also have 15% tax in my province. So it's actually more like $23 wow. for two pieces of chicken. And it's, like, and it's just becoming like, how do I give that advice knowing that chicken costs $23? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's difficult and it's, yeah. it sucks. Yeah. And it's weird to be at the... It's like I'm May's mom. I'm getting closer to May's mom age than May. Yeah. And I don't I don't like that because <laughs> your brain truly changes totally. as you pass through those life stages. Yeah, that's so true. Um Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a what a like um interesting and heavy conversation we just like uh, waded through. Uh <laughs> but like I think that, yeah, just takeaways are like yeah, there's no one answer for anyone and if you can find a balance good for you because it's just not always super easy um yeah so i i feel like i've gotten to hear so much you know great stuff from you not only about the game but like the context of your life and how you were affected by it um is there anything that you haven't shared yet about either the game or the context of your life that you'd really like to uh before we sort of wrap up your thoughts um yeah another thing that's with this game that affected me kind of at that time was the mental health stuff yeah because growing up i was super happy kid didn't really feel sad i was my parents called me happy Haley, and that's (laughs) that's something i thought about once my mental health got bad i was like why aren't i happy Haley anymore oh that's a that's almost a curse (laughs) even though it was like probably just them being sweet (laughs) i know so around this time in my life well actually right after like around 2018 2019 is the first time where I realized that I had really bad anxiety problems and mm. I was like, uh-oh, like <laughs> I thought I would I thought my brain chemistry was okay. And a lot of this game is talking about May's issues with her mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and so like May's prop like the whole kind of question mark of this game besides like the mystery of like who's kidnapping people, which is a pretty big question too, is like May left school and it's like why did May leave school? Yeah. And it's funny that we're you play as May and you don't even get that insight. Like, it's almost like she's not letting herself think about it, I think was the intention of the narrative. Mm. It's like, why doesn't she... Because you get her internal monologue all the time. Like, she'll look in the mirror and be like, ugh, I look fat, or like say something like that. So it's not like we don't get to hear her thoughts. But she purposely doesn't go, oh, I remember at university when X happened, and that's why I came home. She, like, doesn't tell us that. Yeah. She's not thinking about it. So she'll get asked all the time by, like, when she comes home, her friends are like, whoa, yo, why are you here? And it's, she's just like, hey, I missed you. Like, she'll just, like, go right over it and not discuss it. Or her parents will be like, can we finally talk about what happened? And you, she just goes, nope. What's for dinner? Mm. Like, just, like, shuts it down. Yeah. And so I won't spoil, like, what happens, but it's, like, uh, it's tied to mental health stuff. And um, a lot of my mental health stuff is t- that I've had struggles with is tied to university or work. Like, the str- like, I don't really feel much social anxiety anymore. I used to when I was a kid. But, like... I don't really have that type of anxiety. I have anxiety for stresses that I put onto myself to like catastrophize everything. Worst case scenario, oh, yeah. um, especially becoming a lawyer, I had to like be careful because my whole job is is pinpointing what's the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. Like I get paid now to think what's the worst thing that could happen and prevent it. 
And that's like what I struggle with the most to like make sure that doesn't Just, affect my psyche. It's a minefield for you. <laughs> yeah, it's quite literally like, why did I monetize this? I monetize yeah. my mental health issues. <laughs> essentially what it feels like I did. But I I remember thinking back when I went back to school after that year when I didn't make my dreams come true and I had to go back to school because I needed to. Um, and I was like, I, my mental health started getting bad and I was getting really bad anxiety and panic attacks due to university. And I, and I remember thinking of Night in the Woods. And then that year when I replayed it, that was the year I focused more on her and her mental state and stuff. And like learning those kind of words to do with when you're having a panic attack, like what does that actually mean? Like I heard the mm-hmm. word panic attack thrown around, but then I actually Googled it. And I'm like, oh crap. Like I thought it was just like when you feel a little bit stressed, it's like an actual medically yeah. induced state in your mind that happens. And I was like, I think I have these all the time. Oops, I didn't realize that that had a medical term. And then that kind of helped me be more like the next time I talked to a doctor, it wasn't just like, I feel stressed. It was like, I have regular panic attacks. And they're like, oh, and then they took me more seriously because it has like a word. Yes. So this game also helped me in that way, which I thought was really nice was like, contextualizing those problems into real life words that I could then use to be like, help, I have a problem because I heard the word and I know what it actually means now. Um, And I thought that was interesting and like a helpful thing. And, you know, other media talks about mental health too. But I think the fact that I resonated so much with May as a main character and then she was having those problems, I was like, those sound like my problems too. I'll look into it. And I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) And it helped me kind of figure it out better. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, Gosh, I guess you never know what's going to be helpful for you, even if the subject matter is close to home uh, and and like approached in a like respectful way. So I'm I'm glad that you did have that. Yeah, and like it also helped. I also just like read other things. It wasn't just Night in the Woods. (laughs) That's not just just the prescription. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't just play Night in the Woods until I felt better. But it it was like a it was a piece of many things that like helped me figure it out better. Your cat is so cute, by the way. She's she is so cute. She most of the time she doesn't uh she's like out of this room when I am doing something like this, but she was on her little bed and I just let her sleep and now she's like, Hey, we're an hour and a half from dinner. Uh I'm gonna get your attention. (laughs) Yeah, this is Daphne. Daphne. Um, but uh, so sorry to get you. Sorry that we got you off track with that. Um, <laughs> no, but I, um, I felt like I had something else. Oh, I. This is a small thing, but hearing you know you share this uh, really crucial detail about the game and the subject matter it deals with. Um, did you have any thoughts on that in conjunction with the art style that it's presented in? Because I'm finding it fascinating, but I haven't experienced it myself. Yeah, there's there's one part of this game that I always think about that I it's like my one of my favorite creative directions in any game ever is when you come out of your house as May you go left into town Mm -hmm. and I think that was so on purpose because every single side scroll you go right right like that's a natural you go forward and the only thing if you go right is the sign that says you're now leaving the town okay and everything that you actually get to interact with is left and i think that's so interesting because what i think i think what they're essentially saying is like every day you wake up and go backwards and you go back towards how you were when you lived here as a kid and you're and that's why she feels so frustrated is because every day she's going backwards every day she's going back to where her friends were and her friends are still in their town and they're still her friends and whatever but they're also growing up and doing things like she has two friends Greg and Angus and they're both like 
oh, we kind of want to move away into a city that's more like queer friendly because we don't yeah. really like living in a small town where we're the only two gay guys. Like, it's pretty frustrating. And that's like such a reasonable thing. But she's like, if you leave and I keep going back and you're gone, it, it's just going to if that keeps happening and people keep leaving and she keeps going backwards and backwards, it's just going to be like empty, empty, empty. And I and I think that was such an interesting creative mm. choice that only games can do because I could read a book about May feeling stuck and she could tell me, I feel like I'm going backwards. I'm like, okay, but she never actually says that. It's just like something you do every day. Yes. And you can really, and someone who plays games a lot will feel that more because they're so used to going right. Like I remember the first day, the first time I played it, I came up at my house and went right. Cause that's where I always go. And you take two steps and then there's some construction guys who are like, you can't go this way, go yeah. left. And then you turn around and go left. And it's not until like five days into the game that they let you go right. And the mm. only thing over there is a, is a bridge. And the sign that says you're now leaving. Yes. And you're and it's like they don't let you even look. They just want you to constantly be going backwards. So I thought that was a really interesting decision. Interesting. And, but is your question about like the art style? You found the art style kind of leans towards that? Sort of like or I was just more curious if you if you happen to have a thought, and it's okay if you don't, about like the game dealing with its subject matter um being paired with this very f- I don't I don't know how to describe it, like a friendly sort of not kiddish but um like cartoony sort of art style yeah i think it probably know. makes it approachable sure I, I i know their art style is like like if those two games you mentioned at the start i can't remember their names but uh yes longest night and and something and something constellation <laughs> uh, yeah at, like that art style looks just like the art style of those games and part of me thinks like this is the art style that the main creative i think his name's scott benson Mm -hmm. i feel like this is the art he's been drawing in his in his book like his childhood sketchbook since he's been a kid it kind of gives me that energy it's like finally all those drawings where i perfected this weird art style is coming to fruition and i can make something that looks like this it feels like a very perfected intentional art style that i haven't seen a lot of and it 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 makes me think that this has been something he's been kind of like like a bojack horseman or Mm -hmm. you know like it doesn't look like anything else but it also feels familiar in the way that I can tell whoever has been drawing this has been drawing this for a very long time. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt felt like to me. I don't know if I have an answer for if that has to tie with the mental health stuff, like how they're dealing with such heavy topics, but they're such silly little goofy cats and dogs and stuff and alligators and whatever. Maybe it's like what you were, you were kind of hitting on like an approachability and maybe that's just really all that needs to be taken away from it is that like it's approachable. So maybe it'll connect with someone who wouldn't have given something more serious a chance. I'm not sure. Yeah. And I definitely think the color palette is like fall. Yeah. Like they focus that and like, like that whole thing is like change. Like fall is the the season of change and growing and changing and into something yes. new and may isn't doing that. So that's mm-hmm. why it's even more frustrating to be like in the season. That's about the thing you're not doing. Yes. is another thing I think they purposely talked, like chose to do. Um, like she's going into winter by herself in her childhood home. Like that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So that's like the energy that they're putting into the, the world that you're in is like the leaves are slowly falling off, off the trees. You're running out of time. Mm-hmm. If, if you're going to go back to school, it's going to be after winter break, winter breaks coming. You need to be changing into something new, just like the trees. Like, well, like it's all kind of tied together. Yeah. Very yeah. well done too. Um, well, you know, as we sort of just wrap up this conversation that, that we've been having with you about this game, um, would you do me a favor and just sort of like, Put a bow on whatever place this held for you or just summarize that for us on our way out. 
Uh, yeah, I guess this game is like a time capsule for me. It is 23-year-old Haley in a little bite-sized piece. And it, it was one of those games where... Not as one of those pieces of media that I was like, this is for me. And I feel like I don't feel that a lot, especially like as I get older and stuff. But like, I just remember feeling like weirded out by every every new conversation that May would have with certain people or whatever. I'm like, I've had this conversation with my dad. Like, Mm -hmm. I know like like the mom felt like my mom. The dad felt like how my dad acts. May felt like how I act like her friends were similar to my friends and what they wanted to do with their lives and how like. They felt about me, and, and I just felt like, oh my god, this is weird. Like I remember being really freaked out about it, but I love that it's a thing that I still think about and that I played so many times because I can think back on it really clearly. It's not like I played it once, and I was like, that kind of felt like me. It was like I had this weird, incessant desire to replay it because I wanted to keep feeling how I felt yeah. then. To kind of, it's almost like a life check. It's like, do I yeah. feel as bad as I did in 2017? <laughs> and I'll play it in 2018. I'm like, I feel a little better. And then I'll play it again in 2019. I'm like, I feel a little better. And mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. It's like a goalpost that I just kept rechecking. And yeah, I do want to replay it. I haven't replayed it in about two years now. I did it every fall, but then I stopped about two years ago. But I think next fall, maybe I'll replay it again and be like, how far am I from? It's eight years now from yes. that age, Haley. Like, how different do I feel? It's trippy that I'm coming up on a decade away from how, you know, that phase in my life. Yeah. Like how different do I feel now? It's it's fun to use a game that way. Mm-hmm. I've never really done that with any other game before. Yeah. So that's kind of, and it's just a cute little indie game. Like, I don't yeah. think the devs even intended it to be this, hit me this deep or whatever. Totally. But that's what's interesting about games is the fact that you interact and you're the one moving things and moving the plot along is sometimes you can really get pulled into it and feel like, oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Not All just the time. a cat character. Yes. <laughs> You don't yeah. have to feel like that, even, like only in games where they have like a detailed character creator or you are role playing as someone. It can even feel like something that has such a specific character uh, and design a character with like intentional design like this. Uh, yeah. Well, Haley, I, we've got a, just a couple things to do on our way out, but thank you so much for bringing on this game to share about this period in your life. It was uh, really you. cool getting to know more about you and just like how this game impacted you. So thanks. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to talk about it. I haven't talked about it in a while, so it's nice to talk about it. You know, and especially in a year where you're not doing your annual playthrough, this can sort of sit as that, like, remembrance of it. This will be, like, my playthrough, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I do expect uh, one out of every eight years for you to not play the game but to listen to this episode. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I'll lead us into our post-show segments, the first of which is the Fact Me by Your Game segment, and that's just where I share fun facts about this game with my guest. Uh I got my facts today from a YouTube channel called The Leaderboard. They have a video titled 107 Night in the Woods Facts That You Should Know. Uh, So if you're interested, there's going to be 105 more (laughs) than I share today if you want to check those out. Um, We already talked actually about uh, my first uh, uh, thing that I was going to share, which I titled prequels, supplementals, whatever you want to call them, which are – the two uh, supplemental games, uh, The Longest Night and Lost Constellation, which, as we talked about, um, came out before this game and featured uh, characters from this game, May, May and her friends, um, and are available on Itch if anyone's interested. Uh, but the fact that we haven't discussed today, I have titled, Yeah, But What's Your Real Name? So 
there are around 130 unique characters that were designed to fill the world of Night in the Woods. Uh, we've talked about some of the main characters. Uh, they are May the Cat, Bee the Crocodile, Greg the Fox, and Angus the Bear. But Haley, did you know that they have full names outside of those? Um, besides Maybrowski, Greg, do they tell you Greg's? I feel like I may, I should know Greg's, but I don't know the other ones. Probably seen these before. So yes, we've got, so May is Margaret Borowski, or May Mm -hmm. is Borowski. There's uh, Beatrice Santello, uh, which is B, uh, Gregory Lee, who's the fox, and then Angus Delaney, who is uh, the bear. Okay, I never, yeah, I guess they don't, maybe they say it really quickly or something, but yeah. They could, it could be like, I don't know exactly where you learn this in the game, whether it could be from text as well, but I Mm -hmm. I just, uh, I thought that was funny that um, they really elaborate on at least these four characters' names. Nothing significant, but there they are now you know. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that'll do it for the Fact Me By Your Game segment, and I'll lead us into the final one of the podcast, uh, of course, the game recommendations. Now, uh, Haley, this segment is always my one uh, forced tie-in to the movie Call Me By Your Name, uh, where I'm going to treat Night <laughs> in the Woods as your passionate summer love that you had in Italy, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, like the movie, that relationship is not going to work out, so I'm going to try to point you to a few different flings uh, to help you mend that broken heart of yours uh, okay. from the fallout of losing Night in the Woods. So <laughs> I've got three prepared for you today, and these will all have something in common with, with Night in the Woods. The first of which is if you want another uh, rounded story of a community uh, with sci-fi and fantasy elements, from but from a different perspective, I'll recommend uh, the game Gone Home. Have you played this one before? I love Gone Home. Okay, great. I love it. Uh, so yeah, if you're like a first Already person. Already flinging. Yes. I I would love, this is a game I actually haven't played before, but I love oh, nice. first person adventures a lot and, and games like that. So it's like, it's on a short list for me. Um, it's a pretty se- quick one too. Okay, nice. Then that could yeah, be not too long. a f- fun thing to dive into. Uh, the second one is if you want another indie title, with more, you know, with with still a lot of those Twin Peaks elements, but you'd rather more of an emphasis on a classic point-and-click adventure genre, I'll recommend the game Thimbleweed Park. Do you know this I've, game? I do, but I've never played it. Yes, this is from uh, Ron Gilbert, who is best known for uh, as the creator of the Monkey Island series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a, uh, a game that he made a few years ago as like a return to the genre. So Yeah, it's, it's like it's... It's cops, right? It's two police officers. Yeah, I think. I think you play as like either either cops or FBI agents or something. But there are also some like ethereal Twin Peaksy stuff going Very on. Very Twin Peaks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that'll uh, you know quench that thirst there. And oh, lastly, for your final recommendation, is if what you took away from this game is you love the art style, the this art style of these cute little uh, characters that look like they're sort of paper cutouts put on a background well then i'll recommend a game that if if you've got an itch to be a dang stinker then i'll recommend south park the stick of truth for you (laughs) yeah i love those i played that in fractured butthole i love those games oh nice um uh and i've only played i borrowed stick of truth from someone like years later and 
I love like a JRPG, so I was like, oh, this is my thing. Um, is the fractured butthole is like the same style of game? Yeah, it's 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 also an um, turn-based RPG, but the second one is more like um, Avengers. Oh, it's like, it's like they're all superheroes. The <laughs> oh, first one's like Dungeons and Dragons, yes, and stuff, and then the second one is like they because South Park had that old episode where it was like making fun of that three-part Avengers whiteboard yes. universe nonsense. So it's just like a continuation of that. But I love okay. those games because they did such interesting stuff with like tropey game stuff and like making mm-hmm. fun of it. Like, you know, like the skip functionality for cutscenes. Like if you do yeah. that too much, Cartman's like, shut the hell up. You're going to listen. <laughs> like they'll like break the fourth wall a lot of times. And I, yes. I thought that was kind of fun. That's good. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just wrap up the segment by repeating your Rex. We've got Gone Home, Thimbleweed Park, and South Park. The stick of truth. A lot of parks in there, I just realized. Yeah. <laughs> um, that'll do it for that segment, and that'll actually bring us to the end of the show. So before we go and plug whatever we want on our way out, Haley, thanks for joining me. This was so much fun to have you on the show. Yes, thank you. That was super fun. Um, so on your way out, though, I know we plugged some stuff earlier on the podcast. Is there anywhere you'd like people to find you, or is there a way you want people to check you out on the internet? Yeah, you can find me at Haley Facts on most social medias, H-A-L-E-Y-F-A-X, because there's a million ways to spell Haley. <laughs> like, and we now know ways. the pun about that uh, username, yeah. so I feel enlightened. Um, And then besides that, yeah, I'm on a lot of min-max content, so um, I guess the easiest plug is just our Game of the Year debates, which we'll be recording on, starting on Saturday. Oh. I have to, I have to finish Baldur's Gate before. We're, we're not talking about Game of the Year stuff on Saturday, we're doing like all the supplementary things, yes. like best moment and dumbest thing, and all those kind of fun extra stuff. Love but that. I'm still deciding if Alan Wake Two and Baldur's Gate Three, which is my number one, and I need to finish both before I can firmly decide. But yes, I'm glad that I'm playing them both in such rapid succession because mm-hmm. it's helping me decide like which one did I have the most joy. I think yeah. that's honestly what I'm pulling from. And then every time I listen to one song from Alan Wake, I think it's Alan Wake though, so it's kind of hard. <laughs> That's tough. They, I think, you know, them being so fresh probably helps, too. You're not wondering, like, was Fire Emblem Engage my favorite game here from February? <laughs> I'm uh, also playing High Fry Rush, like, right now, too, and I'm loving ooh. it, which I know that came out in January, so it, like, mm-hmm. feels like it barely counts, but... I also like that I'm playing that so recently because yes. I'm like, oh, this game rules. But a lot of totally. people are like, oh, I forgot that even came out this year kind of energy. Yeah. So it's fr- that's also fresh in my mind. It's going to be high up on my list, too. I love that game. That's huge. That was such like a I. it's also one that I missed. And I'm like counting because we're doing our funny. You're, you all are doing your stuff on Saturday. We're doing our two part game of the year episodes on Sunday. And I'm just I'm with all the stuff <laughs> I've got going on. I'm like, I just want to finish Alan Wake 2. Yeah. Uh, I I can't tell. Yeah, how f- I loved the ending. Some okay. people don't like the ending. I loved the ending personally. Okay, huge. Uh, so it's I'm divisive. A- I think when we hop off, I might ask you off pod like how far you think I am. I mean, even though okay. I can look it up, but uh, anyway, um, I'll be sure to put links in the show notes to to the Min Max show uh, oh, and awesome. then all of your social and stuff as well. Um, but I'll go ahead and just close this out with some plugs of my own. Uh, the show art for Call Me By Your Game is done by Glenn J. You can find him and his other great work on Instagram at Glenn with two N's dot J A Y. If you want to follow the show on social media to see when we have live episodes going up, like the one we're recording today on Twitch, you can uh, follow us uh, wherever you're on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. There's links in the show notes for these. 
the show is produced. Uh, the original music that we open with and is edited by Jeremy Schmidt. You should check out his podcast, Video Games, a comedy show, where by the time this episode comes out, actually, I think all of you know both MinMax's and our Game of the Year stuff will be out, and that's where people can find that, wherever you get your shows. Um, you can also follow me on social media on Twitter, Instagram at Blue Sky. I'm on Twitch, uh, where we stream these episodes at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. And lastly, if you love hearing me talk to people about video game content, uh, check us out on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio, where we have bonus content at every tier. Um, and you know, whoever's listening to this in the future, you know what our next games club is. I don't because while we're recording this, we are two days away from that election ending. So I'm really eager to see what our listeners and patrons pick for us to play for a whole, the first quarter of 2024. Uh, so, uh, you can find that, um, you know, at the $5 tier and you can vote on our things at any tier. But there's bonus stuff there again at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. But that'll do it for this episode of Call Me By Your Game. We will see you on the next one.